regular people are taking their knowledge and content, packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. But not everyone is successful with online courses. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And I'm here to help course creators actually succeed with online courses. Hi, I'm Jacques Hopkins, and this is The Online Course Show. Hey everyone, it's Jacques here, and welcome to episode 104 of The Online Course Show. If you're new here, welcome. My name is Jacques Hopkins, I'm your host, and I absolutely love online courses. My own online course is on the topic of piano, which I started back in 2013, and to date it has brought in over $1.2 million, and more importantly, it's helping people all over the world learn piano who never thought they would be able to. And today, along with running piano in 21days.com, I share what I've learned about online courses through channels like this very podcast. And a lot of the time on this podcast, I'll feature another course creator so that you can get insights from other people and not just me. And so that's exactly what we're doing today on this episode, where I'm joined by Graham Cochran of recordingrevolution.com. And if you've ever looked up an audio question on YouTube, then you've probably stumbled across one of Graham's videos there because he has over 500,000 YouTube subscribers. And then of course, he has courses on his site as well and has been wildly successful. But more importantly, he's just a genuine guy. He's a family man. And it was just an overall pleasure meeting and getting to know Graham a little bit more. So with that, let's go ahead and jump into the full interview right now. Hey, Graham, welcome to the online course show. Hey, thanks for having me. My pleasure, man. Look, I know this is a bit of a loaded question, but let's see where this goes. How did you get into online courses? By accident. (laughs) Uh, I mean, by needing to figure out how to make money online, when I was trying to do freelance work, I started putting out videos and articles around my niche. And I realized that there was an audience there that wanted to know more about the education kind of thing. And I I was just trying to use content to get discovered to do freelance stuff. And uh, once I realized there was more people interested in what I had to say or how I could help them get results by teaching them, I thought maybe I could monetize the videos in some way. And that's, I stumbled into creating an online course because that seemed to make the most sense. I didn't know that's what I was doing at the time, but that's what I ended up getting into about 10 years ago. What were you doing that led to the freelance work, right? Is that what you've always done as your work? Um, yeah, it's always been part of my work. So I went to school as an audio engineer to record and mix bands. And then when I was working in a studio and realized I hated the environment and preferred to just do on my own, do freelance on my own. That's always been a part of my rhythm. But there was a solid three years where I had a day job and it was just nights and weekends. So it was extra money. It was no stress, no pressure. But we moved to Florida about 10 years ago to help my buddy start a church down here. And we just picked up and moved. We're like, yeah, we'll come help out. And I got a job and lost that job five months into moving here because of the recession. The the company ran out of money. And so I I ran out of money, I guess. And started to try to ramp up freelance work full time. So there was that pressure to let's just do this full time. And that's when I started to create content online, hoping that I could get more clients. Courses are pretty popular today. But 10 years ago, I would say they were not very popular online courses. What are the steps that you took back then to actually create an online course? It was pretty basic, man. I, uh, I had a program called Snaps Pro X and I used it for screen capture. 
And I just would, because what I was teaching was how to use this certain piece of software, right, in the audio world. And so it was just like screen capturing my screen and and I just would talk into a microphone and explain what I was doing. And I kind of mapped out, I viewed it as like longer YouTube videos because I was doing tutorials already in my niche. So I figured if I wanted to teach this piece of software, it'd probably take me three to four hours. So I broke it up into logical chapters, which ended up being video modules, shot these eight or 10 videos. And then here's what I did. I zipped them all up, put them on my GoDaddy uh, $3 a month hosting and uh, created a PayPal link and a free little iWeb website and had a button that just like paid me by PayPal and delivered them a zip file <laughs> that they could download. Dude, that is awesome. That I think that exact method of delivery is the first I've heard here. But that's kind of what you had to do 10 years ago. I mean, the, the Thinkific and the Teachables and the ClickFunnels of the world didn't really exist back then. Was that pretty successful from the start for you? I mean, it was... I made money at first. So I thought that was great. But literally for about a year or two, that was kind of the model I rolled. And I just figured as I grew my audience, I'd have more people to sell to and I could build out more products. So I was just pumping out as many courses as I could. I didn't know that this was a thing. I think some people were selling courses back then, but you're right. It's not like it is today. I just knew I needed to... If people liked my free videos, I'm sure they would pay for way more in-depth time with me via video. And I didn't know about even the e-junkies or send-owls of the world where you could even automatically better send a zip file than the PayPal link, which didn't quite work very well all the time. So it was clunky, but I learned a lesson of it doesn't matter as long as you get the content to the people and they're happy with it and you get paid. That's at baseline. That's what you want to do. I mean, since then, obviously, like you listed a bunch of other tools that have come out that have made my life a lot easier, but it worked. How did you promote it back then? Was it just on the YouTube channel? Dude, I've never promoted it really on the YouTube channel. It's all in the email list. So I was collecting emails from day one. I think I'd read a, an article back in 2009 that said, hey, you should collect an email list or build an email list. And I think that was like the best advice I wasn't looking for back then because that became the foundation of my business. So yeah, I would do YouTube videos and articles, always offer some kind of lead magnet or, or opt-in at the end of that uh, to get people to join my email list. And then I would sell to my email list. And it's basically the same today. Nice. So what would you say is your secret to getting 520,000 subscribers on YouTube? Well, the 80-20 rule, I mean, if you dig into my videos, right, you'll see the 80-20 rule in effect, right? There's a small collection of videos that generate most of the views and most of the watch time and probably most of the subscriptions. And so I think I got lucky in, in terms of like, you never know what content will stick. I think I create, I think all my videos are great and helpful. But there's always that small percentage that just seem to resonate with people. And when they resonate, people engage. And when they engage, the algorithm favors it. And then it just self-perpetuates. So I think um, the strategy is know your audience and create a wide variety of content until you figure out what's really sticking and then do more of that. And the abundance of content. I was pumping out three pieces of content per week, every week for four years. One of those was a video every week. So I've always done a video every week. But over time, I figured out a couple of videos that really popped. And again, I'll have a video that has over 2 million views on it. And then I'll do a video that I think is just as great. And I'll get like 5,000 views on it. So it's like, I'm not that smart. It's just there's some of the videos really have popped and it's all lopsided. And so if you can get the traffic, even through one or two big videos, it really works. Yeah, I've got your, I've got your videos sorted right now by most popular. It's, you've got two with over a million views. How to build a home studio for under $350 has 2.2 million views two years ago. And then the next one has a million views. Five key home studio components was made seven years ago. 
when you were recording that video seven years ago, did you have any concept of, of how well that would be working for you for seven years? No, no. And that's what I love about it is the evergreen nature of YouTube content or blog content too. But it was a relevant video that answered questions seven years ago that I was getting. I knew it would be helpful. And it wasn't a viral video. Like if you look at that, you can think, oh, it's got a million views. And some guys on YouTube can get a million views in an afternoon. I can't do that. I haven't been able to do that. But over seven years, it's a slowly growing, helpful, everyday video that just is boring. And it sends me traffic and subscribers that go into my email funnel that buy my courses. So that's like the non-glamorous picture of how my business works is you just pump out great content every single week and knowing that 20%, maybe 10%, maybe 4% will really stick and will serve you really, really well long term. So I'm curious your thoughts on the motivation behind that. And what I mean is I don't have near as many subscribers as you do on YouTube. It is a big traffic source for me as well. I've got about 50,000 subscribers, but I've got these two videos that are right about a million views. And that's where almost all the traffic comes from. It's probably not even 80, 20. It's probably like 95, five. And then I put out a new video and you know, you check it a couple of days later, it's got 250 views, you know, and then a couple of weeks later, it's got 543 views. It's like, where do you find the motivation to keep putting out these new videos when they're not all these mega hits? Yeah, I guess that it's really cool that you said that because that makes total sense that you've got two really, really big ones. First of all, congrats. That's awesome. It took me seven years to reach my first million views, I think, or six years. It took me, it took me a long time. Maybe it's the way I view it. Like I, I both have a incorrect and a correct view of my content. The incorrect view mathematically is that all of it's valuable, right? Because in a way, it's not true. Like you just said, it's lopsided. There's really only going to be a small percentage that truly drive the business. So if I'm looking at the analytics, the correct view is figure out which video... Like if you looked at your two that are over a million views, we could dissect why, what keywords, what topic... You know, what is it about it? And if you're smart, you would try to recreate some content like that. And you can't do it all the time because you don't want to be unbalanced, I think, in your content. But I think you would strategically, right, do more of that. So for me, my two biggest viewed videos have the words home studio in them. They're both about what you need in your home studio. So they're not really tutorials as much as they are gear and what people need to buy. And I don't like doing videos like that. But <laughs> that's what people seem to want. So if I were strategic, I would do more of those. So that would be the correct view of it is look at the lopsided nature and roll with more of it. But my quote unquote incorrect view is I believe that the constantly pumping out fresh content every week, even if not all of it will stick, you create trust with your audience that you're a fresh resource, that you're always delivering something every single week that it makes people not want to miss. Because I've gone to channels... If you go to two YouTube channels and they come up in a search for the same topic and one guy hasn't posted a video in six months and one guy posted one yesterday, you're going to trust the one that posted yesterday instinctually because you just assume that they're more serious because they're, they're still relevant, still pumping out content. So it plays a role. And I think I just naively believe that continuing to pump out content, even if not all of it will stick, is still good for me long term. And I also know that I get a lot of views through the hundreds and hundreds of other videos that aren't as big. It just isn't as isn't the biggest, best use of my time. So I, I think both and work. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I know for me, like it, it's it can be easy to be lazy, right? Since I have those two videos working for me, it's like, ah, do I really need to put out a new video this week? You know, but that's I think that's a really great answer. And uh, my top video is called like learn any pop song in five minutes. And then the second one 
is called Learn Piano in Four Minutes. So what I'm hearing from you is I need to double down on that and maybe do a three minutes video next. Well, dude, there's something about that. Like you can see that the time frame that you put in the title, learning it in four minutes or five minutes, very appealing to people because they all want to learn those things and they want to learn them quickly. So yeah, I think for sure doing a few more of those or one of those each month or something like that would be huge for you. And also YouTube is fascinating too. When you look at what content of yours it grabs and puts up, you know, high in the search results for better or for worse, like YouTube will like something on your channel and associate it with certain keywords. And so try not to fight those keywords and just make, you know, don't do nothing but those keywords, but make it a part of your rhythm and you'll continue to fill that perpetual cycle that YouTube's already got you on. So jumping back to where you were 10 years ago, you know, knowing everything you know today, which it's, I'm sure is significantly more than back then, would you do anything differently than you did back then? You know, somebody asked me that recently, and I don't think I would. If like a tool like Kajabi existed 10 years ago, I would have jumped on that a lot sooner. But I, I really feel like I learned a lot by creating content and seeing what stuck. I learned a lot by making some courses that were not so good. I really, what I learned, so I see a lot of guys and I've seen it for the last five, six years and it's been around for longer, but I see a lot of people in the online course world that are, all they do is launches. It's launch, launch, launch. It's the launch model. And what's funny is that I didn't know that that was a thing. I knew that when you first launched a course, it was technically a launch because it didn't exist yesterday. Now it exists. But in my mind, I always viewed it as let's get this thing evergreen. So I didn't even know that evergreen was a thing. So people are like, are do you do evergreen courses or launch model? And I realized, oh my gosh, I've been doing evergreen models since day one, where I launch something, put it in my funnel, and then all the new people will go through it and it starts to sell automatically for me. And I think not knowing about the launch model early on really was one of the best things for me because I have a, a business that is very consistent in revenue without me having to do a bunch of launches because it's the way I've set it up. And so I don't think I would have changed it because if I changed it or learned the quote unquote correct way a lot of people were doing it back then, I think I would have been as burned out as a lot of these people are. Even some of the big wigs that I follow are sort of moving away from as many launches as they used to because they're burning out their lists and they're burning out their teams. And so I feel really grateful for the way I learned. Um, I think it was a sustainable way to learn. Yeah, definitely. Launches are obviously very popular. I personally like to make a consistent income each month rather than just a couple of times a year. So I'm, I'm a believer in the evergreen as well. For that reason, do you mind giving us kind of a, a high level overview of what your particular funnel looks like? Yeah. So um, on the recording revolution side of things, let's say you opt in for one of my lead magnets, you're immediately on the thank you page, you're offered a webinar, an auto webinar. So if you opted in for a, a guide, a PDF guide, I'm now offering you a, a one-hour class for free. And so if you opt in there for the webinar, you get to watch an hour of exclusive content that's super valuable. And then there at the end, there is a pitch, but it's a solid hour of teaching. I don't believe in teasing and then just pitching. It's the, the webinar actually has to be an hour or 45 minutes of great content. So we'll do that. And then at the end of that webinar, it pitches a bundle of my most popular courses at about like 50, 60% off if you buy into it. But it's a $397 bundle right now for courses that probably would have been about a thousand bucks if you bought them individually. And that's pretty interesting because within an hour and a half of you discovering me on YouTube, you could be being offered something, which is a lot faster than I used to. I've experimented over a decade of pitching sooner in the relationship in the funnel. And now I pitch as soon as today, if you choose to go to the webinar, which not everybody does. And if you do or don't go to the webinar, you'll go into probably, we shortened it just recently, probably about a two-week two week funnel where there's um, 
we kind of 80 20 it. We had about a month long funnel that pitched a lot of my products. And we kind of looked at it the last year or two. And most people were going for certain offers. So we just shortened the funnel and it pitches two or three products interspersed with a lot of bonus content, over deliver content. So it feels like a solid two weeks of some of my best stuff, some exclusive stuff, and then getting them to know about some of my products. After which, when they're done with that, they get dumped into the regular weekly email where there's a the free video every month or every week that I'm sending out. Very nice. Uh, you mentioned the webinar people can opt into after they opt into the free guide. How do you handle that being evergreen? Like, Are you saying anywhere that it's live? Are you saying anywhere that it's not live? No, I say it's a, a workshop that I, I previously recorded that you can have access to. So yeah, I don't say that it's live. I don't try to trip people into thinking that it's live. Now it's a recording of when it was a live webinar. So some people get confused, but 95% of the people totally understand so on the recording revolution side of things, we're still using EverWebinar. So we did webinar jam and we did the, to the deliver that. live a few years ago, and then it's EverWebinar now. And the Graham Cochran brand, I'm just using Kajabi to do all of that. So I kind of moved everything over to Kajabi. Okay. So EverWebinar, Kajabi, what are some of the other favorite tools? Um, I mean, Kajabi is gobbling up all the tools that I used to use. So lead pages I used to use. Um, we still are on ConvertKit. For email marketing on the Recording Revolution side, but I'm moving over to Kajabi on the Graham Cochran side with I'm getting rid of ConvertKit, getting rid of my WordPress hosted site, moving it all to Kajabi. So that's becoming the biggest tool really because it allows me to do all the products, landing pages, webinars, email marketing, sales pages, uh, and even now the website. So that's becoming the, it's simplifying my life. So why don't you jump into, you know, you, you mentioning the recording revolution side of things, Graham Cochran side of things. So what is the Graham Cochran side of things? Yeah. So about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, I officially launched a personal brand to help people learn about how I do online business and how they can do it too. So through online courses, membership sites, like what you're talking about in your show, I felt like just like when I started the recording revolution, I had like years and years and years of audio experience, both personal and professionally that I felt like I should just share. Um, now I felt like I've got now a decade of, of having an online business that's done really, really well. And I have a lot of friends and family in real life that I'm already helping with their online businesses. I figured, why not create a resource just like I did with the music side of things, but for online business. So it's basically content every week on the YouTube channel and as a podcast as well of how to build an online business, how to grow it, how to integrate it into life. I'm really, I'm really big on the business. And I, I think you are too, Jacques, from talking about sort of your, your travels, like big on having the business serve my life and be integrated. It all has to fit well together. So I don't just want to make a lot of money or be successful, or I don't want to just have like a life, but have no money. I want, I want them to work together and serve each other well. So I talk about that a lot. And so on the practical side, it's like I said, a YouTube uh, video podcast every, every week. So you can either stream it, you know, or watch it on YouTube or listen to it. And then I have right now one core online course, which is soup to nuts, top to bottom. If you have no idea what you could do, how do you build an online course and figure it out and build, excuse me, a whole online business and then how to grow the thing. And then I just launched uh, my membership community, the six figure coaching community two months ago, which is for business owners who are already starting to make a little bit of money online, a few hundred bucks to a thousand bucks or more, but really trying to scale that business. And then I have one-on-one -on -one coaching clients as well. But that's the baby business. It's a couple years in, but it's been a lot of fun to get that started and to be able to talk about what I'm really passionate about. With this business has set me free and changed my life, as I know it has for you. So, which of the two businesses would you say you work on more day to day? Definitely the Graham Cochran side of things, the new one, the Recording Revolution. I have a, a little bit of a team now, and it's super automated and 
super efficient. So I spend way more time on this new business. How did you decide to go with a personal brand rather than uh, I don't know what the opposite of personal brand is, but like a name, like, you know, I have the online course guy, right? That's my brand as opposed to jockhopkins.com. How'd you make that decision? Dude, that was a hard one. I originally wasn't going to make it a personal brand. So I spent, I, I basically wasted a year trying to figure out a name. And then I was on a call with one of my buddies who was like, bro, like, just call it your name, bro. Like, especially since in some circles, there's a little bit of, of brand equity attached to my name. Being on, I've been on a lot of podcasts and been featured in places like Business Insider and other places in Growth Lab. And so my name was a little bit associated with having an online business and having success. So he just challenged me. He's like, bro, just name, name it yourself. So I was like, okay. So it was lack of good ideas, basically, bro. So you mentioned, uh, you mentioned the business, wanting it to you know, really serve your family and be integrated and all that. And I know from looking at your site, you, you spent a month in France with your with your whole family. And I've done similar things as well. I'm curious your take on like, did you work at all? Like, how did you run your businesses from Europe? So with that trip, I worked two hours a week. I just like checked in basically once a week. But I was in, as you know, depending on where you go, I was in the south of France for most of it. And like literally in the middle of nowhere. So the internet was awful. So after like 20, 30 minutes, sometimes I'd be like, I can't even do anything. So I would just give up. But mostly it was just, you know, preparing a bunch of content ahead of time, having my team schedule it out. And yeah, I mean, most of it's automated. It's most of it's people finding content, going through the funnel, getting pitched stuff. So it doesn't really require me to be there day to day. Nice. So you're working on the book, The Two Hour Work Week now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Comes out next year. How many people are on your team, Graham? Um, it's, mo- it's three, uh, it's four people, two, technically it's two that I, uh, two contractors that I employ. Uh, one part-time, both are part-time, but one of them handles a lot more of the marketing side of things and he's built out a team. So technically two of the other team members that do stuff for me aren't my team members directly. They're under his team. So it's all just contractors, but there's probably four key people that are day-to-day involved with the business outside of me. So going a little deeper here, uh, what would you say having successful online courses means to you and your family and your life? Well, so on the content side of things, success in that means to me that I'm helping people. Like the content I'm creating is actually making a difference in somebody's life. As opposed to when I worked a desk job, I felt like, what am I doing today that's really making a difference in the world? So there's that satisfaction of knowing that every video I shoot, every podcast episode I put out, every course I've ever done or membership site is actually helping people's lives, both in the music space and in their business space. Personally, on when the money comes home, what the money has done for us, and then the, the freedom of the business being really minimal effort on my part is a whole different world. I mean, I'm, I get to take my kids to school, pick them up from school, home for dinner every night. I have three-day weekends every weekend. I'm able to travel, like we talked about, for extended periods of time if we need to. Um, and then on the money side of things, it's just a... Like after year three is when we started to make some actual good money in, the, in my business. After like having some fun and like buying a new car and things like that, it really became apparent that this business was going to do far more than I ever thought I would be able to create income wise as a musician, which is what I thought my life was going to be. So we quickly re- had to realize what's the point of wealth beyond like your basic needs, 
enjoyment a little bit more than basic needs. And it became apparent that like, wow, this is a responsibility that we have. It's like a something important to manage for the good of other people. We could keep it all for ourselves or we could manage it for the good of others that don't have the ability to create wealth or the opportunities that we had. So for my wife and I, it's, we're big into supporting uh, a few key charities, one being our church, another being Compassion International. And then we have sort of an ongoing fund that we call undesignated that when we just see a need, we just write a check. And that's really important to us. And then that also ties into like one of the reasons why I want to help people so badly grow their businesses is so that they're making more money than they need so that they can give a lot of it away. Because it's just a huge privilege to be an entrepreneur and be able to create wealth and then give it to those who can't. It sounds like you're doing things the right way, Graham. Uh, It's been a pleasure to talk to you here, man. Just a couple more questions for you. You you teach other people how to succeed in online business. So I know you're going to have a good answer here. And, and that is the question is about what advice do you have for specifically people wanting to create an online course? So people have an idea for an online course, beginning stages, just thinking about online courses specifically, what advice do you have for those people to find success? Yeah, a good online course gets people results. And so the more step-by-step and hand-holding it is, the better, as opposed to a lot of content. Just here's a lot of content. The more you can think about it from the user's perspective, like first do this, then do this. Now we're going to do this and answer all the questions along the way. Think of it like, at least this is how I think of it. I think fitness routines and fitness programs are the best way to think about it. You can learn tips online about losing weight or getting in shape. But if you buy a 90-day fitness program, that tells you like literally every day you just show up and press play. I'll tell you what moves to do, what to eat, when to eat, when to do it. You don't have to think. You just show up and do what I say for 90 days and you can get results. The more your course can be like that, the less people have a chance of failing, the less pressure they feel, and the more they will enjoy the experience and get through the end of it, which will help them get results, which will help them feel like it was a good course. So that's the difference between just content and a good course is the step-by-step hand-holding all along the way. Got it. That's obviously awesome advice. And I completely agree. So to wrap this up, Graham, let us know if there's anything else you want to share and where people can find your stuff and connect with you online. You can connect with me on social at the Graham Cochran at Instagrams where I'm hanging out the most. Uh, The Graham Cochran show is the podcast on iTunes or wherever. And like I put together, if passive income is new to you, you can check out the passive income workshop. It's all there at GrahamCochran.com. And it's about a 45-minute training that basically pulls the curtain back on how I run my business. So those are all some helpful resources that might help people out. Thanks, Graham. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jock. All right. Thanks so much to Graham. And for you out there for listening to today's episode, you can find all of the show notes and links from today's episode by going to theonlinecourseguide.com slash 104. And guys, check out Graham's podcast as well. If you've been enjoying this podcast, Graham's got a great podcast as well. It's called The Graham Cochran Show. Search it up on your favorite podcast platform because there he'll be talking about a lot of great online course stuff. It's it's more, it's a little more general online business than this podcast, but as we talked about as you learned in this episode, Graham knows a lot about online courses. He's been very successful with online courses and there's a lot of specific online course content there as well. I've been listening myself. It's a really really good content. And guys, if you're not part of the community, you need to join up. There's a free Facebook community for listeners of this podcast for all things online courses. Check that out by going to theonlinecourseguide.com and clicking on community at the top. Or if you're already in Facebook, then just search up the online course community. That's going to do it for this episode. We'll have more online course show next week. (laughs) 